1: Welcome back to What Would It Cost. On our second episode, we talked all things private lending. Now today, we're going to take you behind the scenes of that private transaction with a lawyer. And today, we're sitting with our hotshot
2: special guest, Mr. Daniel Panza.
1: Thanks for having (laughs) me, guys. No problem.
2: Thank Thank you for coming out. Coming out.
1: Shed in windsor you made money in the housing market last year no way anything you shot on you would have made up. what would it cost that's the million dollar question you're looking at north bay now is at a million dollars <laughs> i don't even think they hand you the keys anymore what is it gonna cost how much hi my name is nicholas regina my name is michael sakuro and you're listening to what, what would, it would it cost <laughs> <laughs> is it good we're excited for this one because we're always, we're talking about private lending. It's a big topic yeah. and uh, we want to take people behind the scenes on the legal side because that's, it plays a really big factor I find more so than a, your, you know, your traditional A or B mortgage because there's a lot to do behind the scenes with the lender, with the, sorry, the private uh, lawyer, whereas you guys are almost like the secondary underwriters or the mortgage officer, so to say, like when I submit to a uh, a, a lender or B lender. So take us through that steps once we submit a, uh, a file to you. So, yeah, basically, when I
3: get a commitment letter from you guys, that's my first introduction into the file. I might get a call from the lender who or the borrower, whoever is my client, whoever I'm representing, normally for deals that I, I do with you guys, yep. I'm representing lenders, yep. And I, but I've represented borrowers in the past. Yep. Um, so they might give me a call saying, hey, heads up, Michael or Nick is going to send you a commitment. This yep. is basically what the terms are. It's it, they'll just give me the, all they care about is is the principal and the interest. They don't right. care about the other stuff, yeah, 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 but yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what they'll tell me. So then <laughs> I'll get a call or an email from one of you guys. I mostly deal with Michael Nick. I get calls from you only if like man. things go amazing <laughs> or if things go amazing, I'll get a call from Nick or if things go horribly, I get a call from Nick. I mostly deal with Michael. So, so yeah, that's... So yeah, so I get... <laughs> Nick's call. <laughs> that's exactly how it is. Oh man, what I do or... <laughs> no, no, or no. To, Okay, so yeah, so I get the uh, commitment from Michael and I yeah, review yeah. it. I'll call the lender. I'll call Michael, make sure everyone's yeah. on the same page. Yeah. And a major thing that I find is uh we need to have open communication between all parties right yeah. because there yeah. there shouldn't be anything lost in translation when it's you guys are again talking yeah. to the borrower or the lender yeah. i'm talking to my client i'm talking to you guys yeah as you know michael yeah. i call michael maybe 20 times a day <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah if i'm doing yeah. a mortgage yeah. with him yeah. 20
2: times a day yeah if i'm not i'll call yeah. him two times a day just, <laughs> just i just want to interject here yeah I love the way you communicate. Yeah, it's yeah, above absolutely. and beyond. You always, always, always make sure to be the first one to reach out. It's never that we ever feel like we're chasing you. Yeah. You're always ringing up <laughs> Mikey's phone yeah. and in our inboxes. So didn't want to hijack the convo there, but I did want to validate that and say, we do really love to work with you for you know many a reasons, but that being one of the main runs. Well, it's good, it's good to hear
3: because as a lawyer i mean i'm going my assumptions are only as good as what you guys are telling me my knowledge is only as good as what i'm hearing from you guys right. what i'm hearing from my client right so if i'm working off of assumptions of what i think the deal is going to be yeah that's how things go wrong yeah so yeah. if i'm not calling yeah. my client if i'm not calling you if i'm yeah. not calling the other lawyer huh. to get exact details of what's going on yeah. then i'm going based off of assumptions and i'm not doing my job right. because i shouldn't be going based off right. assumptions right. Yeah. so yeah to get back into the beginning about introduction the commitment letter call everybody make sure everything's good then we go into drafting the documents to reflect the agreement between the parties right so we go into drafting the documents most of them are standard documents you can make changes here and there to reflect the reality of the of the transaction of what's going on all transactions are different to a certain degree right. um and you also have to arrange title insurance which is I know this is what would it cost. So that is something that costs <laughs> costs the the borrower yeah. some money. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's one of the major expenses in a private lending transaction. Yeah, because these title insurance companies do charge a premium. Yeah. for private uh, mortgages. Right. Right. Okay. So right. yeah, the title insurance uh, fees can be. It depends on the the amount, the principal of the mortgage. Yeah, and you could also get certain. Um, Endorsements is what they call it on that title insurance policy for specific items that you request. Okay. Okay. So depending on on the title insurance policy, it could range from $500 to $1,500 around there. Okay. And that is what lawyers call a disbursement. So when we're charging our client, we charge our legal fees plus disbursements and HST. Right. Okay. So the disbursements include title insurance. If we need to register a mortgage, yeah. the government charges us a registration fee. Yeah. Okay, so that's approximately $77. Okay. Um, there's a transaction levy that the Law Society of Ontario, we have to pay, I believe it's around $65. Okay, um, And then searches for title searches, we gotta look at the property to see yeah. the, the parcel abstract of everything that's registered on the property. So we see all the pre-existing mortgages, if there's any liens, if there's any encumbrances, what's going on, we check, we pull the the actual instrument of yep. the previous charges and the transfer so that costs money as well right. okay. so those are the main expenses um that you'll be paying for in a private mortgage title insurance search fees registration fees okay if there's anything that needs to be couriered faxed copied those are also uh, fees that incur- staples <laughs> the ink yeah, all that. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah some people charge <laughs> for that yeah. it's, it's basically anything that the that the law firm is paying out of their pocket right, right. on behalf of the client that is the disbursement, right, okay? Right. And then the legal fees are our fees what we take, right? Right. And then so run I, us right.
1: through because yeah, a common yeah. misconception or one main factor when I'm when we're bringing on new lenders is explaining to them what their cost is. And mm. uh, you know, a big thing with private lending is that the borrower is paying the cost for the borrower and the lawyer's, uh, the lender's lawyer's fees as well. Yeah. So just run us through like that overall cost and how that works with the communication of the other lawyer. Exactly. So the
3: the way that it's normally structured is that the borrower will pay the lender's legal fees. So uh, when I draft the documents, I provide the borrower's, and I'm representing the, uh, the lender, I provide the borrower's lawyer with a direction regarding the funds, which states exactly the amount of money that's coming to my law firm, the amount of money that's going to the lender for the lender fee, the amount of money that's going to the brokerage for the broker fee, if there is one. And then we have a trust ledger or a draft trust ledger, which basically breaks down, okay, let's say it's a $200,000 mortgage. Okay, the the lender sent my law firm $200,000. We retained, let's say uh, legal fees and disbursements were $2,000. We retained $2,000 the The lender's fee is two thousand dollars, and you know what the broker fee is two thousand dollars let's say right, right. and then it'll show the net advance to them yeah. that's six thousand dollars in fees. the net advance to them would be one hundred and ninety four thousand dollars right and they know that they're getting that law firm's getting one hundred and ninety four thousand dollars and then that lawyer will take their fees and disbursements, and then the borrower will get whatever is remaining from that
2: right right okay.
3: so so yeah, so something that the lenders need to know is basically they're going to be sending my law firm, or me, $200,000, right? In right? Right. that example transaction, $2,000 is going to the broker, $2,000 is going to my firm, and then I'm sending them a check for $2,000 for their lender fee. Right. So in a way, they're sort of fronting the cost right. of those fees right. at the beginning. Okay. And then once the principal is paid back, then they get the full two hundred thousand dollars back.
1: Right. right. So that's basically how it works. And then so, the trust ledger right. is like a like a balance sheet. Exactly you're showing on both ends. That's yeah. Exactly. The were, and they both equal up the same total of two hundred thousand. Exactly. So right.
3: it, when you say that the borrower is paying the lender's legal fees, the borrower isn't writing a check to the lender's lawyer. Right. It's coming out of the the advanced, advance. Yeah And then yes.
2: that's how it works. And then it's being registered on title for that amount. And upon the loan being discharged, the full amount is then paid out, so they'll be reimbursed then, essentially.
3: Exactly. Right. Yeah. Okay. And and you're charging the interest, like in that example, $200,000, that's what's being registered on title. Right. You're getting interest on that $200,000, yeah. Yeah. and then all the, the other fees for the broker, the lawyer, and your lender fee gets paid out, and then the, lend- the borrower gets that net advance. Right,
2: right, right. right. Where are the checks? That's <laughs> a <laughs> that's a big, that's a big
3: issue everybody. like a lot of people, you know a yeah, lot of people now nowadays nobody has checks anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's how people like having post dated checks yeah. as a lender. Yeah. You want to you don't want to be hunting people down for yeah. an E transfer for cash. You go yeah. knock on their door. Who knows what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, you want yeah. those post dated checks and yeah. You know, the the lenders that I've represented have been flexible in that, okay, if you don't have the checks, you're supposed to have the checks on the day of closing. Yeah. Here's a package, here's the checks, and that's that. Yes. Yes. In certain circumstances... We talk to you guys. Yeah. We talk to the, the borrower's lawyer. Yeah. We figure it out, and we try to make a solution where it's okay. You know what? The guys opening a bank account. The girls opening their bank account. Yeah. Yeah. They need to figure or this they out. Order them. Yeah. They can't. They need to order them. Yeah. Fine. You know, yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll, we'll deal with that. Yeah. But if you miss a payment, that's a different story. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if you got to do an e-transfer because you don't have everyone, we try it's to true. be accommodating. Yeah. But like, yeah. it is up to the lender at the end of the day. If right. they want post aid checks, you're not giving them post aid checks, yeah. and the mortgage. Um, It says that there has to be post-dated checks.
2: Yeah, 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 and and a lot of lenders love the fact they have that peace of mind where, okay, typical private loan, one-year term, 12 post-dated checks on this date of the month, I get to go to the bank, make that deposit, the checks are in the envelope and they're you know, where we where we keep all our paperwork in the house kind of thing. Yeah. Go to that bank, deposit like that. That very old school mentality of yeah. just the money's there. The checks yeah. are there, mm-hmm. as opposed to having to do that chasing for an e-transfer or yeah. let's meet up. It's a, everyone's so busy, they have so many things going on or it's just simple twelve checks, interest only, deposit them on that day of the month, and they, they really account for that, right? So yeah. it it as much as it's as much as we laughed about it a little bit, it's something that really sticks out to the lender and mm-hmm. it's one of their favorite things, is yeah. those, getting those 12 post yeah. checks, right?
3: Yeah, now they don't even have to go to the bank, they can just take a photo of it in their underwear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And
1: there, yeah. it's deposited. The positive, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, especially because you deal a lot with the lenders now. So again, another question from new lenders is what happens if they don't pay or how what are the what are the chances I lose my money? Because again, they're looking at it from the sense that you have your bank products, you have your savings account, your GICs, your mutual funds, your stocks. They all have their own risks. They all have their own rewards. But yeah, it's sort of laid out as to you know what's. What's going to happen? So, like a GIC, it's guaranteed. so You lose your interest if you cash it early on most of them, but it's guaranteed. Mutual fund, it fluctuates based on the market. Stocks, again, they fluctuate based on the market. So, now with the private lender, private lending, I give you a hundred thousand dollars. What are the chances, or what's the outcome that if you know I'm going to lose my money on okay. the legal side?
3: Yeah, sure. So, I mean, that's something for where you guys come in and you guys assist the lender in making a determination. Hey how much risk is the lender taking on right yeah. what yeah. is on title is there a pre-existing mortgage are yeah. you in second place what's the value of the home yeah. so that's where you get fourth
2: mortgage yeah. 150 ltv exactly yeah. <laughs> 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 <Is that laughs> woodbridge it's good <laughs> yeah. don't worry bro it's going to come up give me the
3: money <laughs> yeah sure so so that's that's what it, so as a lawyer my yeah. job i want to make sure that my client's money is secured right. in a legal sense, but as far as determining their risk tolerance, yeah. that's something for them to determine, and I need to provide them with all of the information in my power yeah. or that I can obtain in order to help them assess yeah. those risks. Right. Yeah. So we have you like you guys have clients who are more risk adverse. You have clients who are willing to take on more risk. Yeah. Clients who don't want to take on as much risk. Yeah. And. You guys are providing them all the information for them to come to the, their determination, and a lot of these private lenders are sophisticated individuals yes they, they've been in the real estate market for a long time they, yes. they've been lending money for a long time so this isn't something that um, yep. it, like is for the faint of heart I mean your security is in that property so yes. if you're satisfied that that property has sufficient uh, securities has sufficient value yep. to to um, account for that mortgage that you're going to be putting on title then you should feel confident in that
2: yeah yeah
3: but that's a determination that you need to make
2: and and i know like even working on some files and and overhearing you and mikey go back and forth with it come the underwriting stage and us putting our finger on the pulse and really getting a good understanding for the value of that property Mm -hmm. He bounces a lot off of you and you guys do, you know, go down that rabbit hole together and you do do the due diligence with him, Mm. which is you going above and beyond from you doing your job. Right. And and we also appreciate that. And it's been nice working with you and getting that, you know, education and and understanding from your end as well to reassure us, you know, on, on certain things that even if we're. 100 percent certain just to have that you know that that expertise and that you know person behind the file that validates that and says yes for sure that that's what it is these are big amounts of money yeah. that we're uh, that we're you know securing against these properties and that uh, we want to make sure we have our lender's best interest along with the borrowers so it's always nice to have you come into a file and really be able to bounce off of that
3: yeah, yeah. for sure and and you know what it's it's sad to say i mean this is the mentality that i need to have is that the borrower is trying to, you know what, not screw over the lender, but you need to have that mentality that they're not coming yeah. with the, the full truth and honesty. Right. So you need to do your own due diligence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not believing anything that guy tells. If that yeah. guy says he has a $100,000 mortgage on his property, I'm not believing that until yeah. I go check title yeah. and see that there's a $100,000 mortgage on that property. And I go and I get the bank, uh, a statement from his bank showing that the mortgage is $100,000. Of course. Or if he's yeah. saying there's, there's only one mortgage on title. I'm not believing that until I go check title and see that because there might be one mortgage on title, but there also might be a construction lien on title. There also might be a notice of security interest on title. There might be a whole host of other things on title that they're not telling you about. So that's a part of my role in helping the lender determine their risk, assess their full risk is looking into title and discovering these things. And there might be stuff on title that the borrower doesn't even know about. Right. And there might be stuff on t- title that the borrower doesn't know about and that the lender is fine with assuming.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: So, yeah, it's all about providing the lender with the most information possible in order for them to make a determination if this Im- investment or this loan is right for them and their risk tolerance. Right.
1: So, yeah, so now coming back to again, we, so we talked about the loan to value. You know, you want to make sure there's that loan to value there. So, if the person has to sell the house or collect that repayment, the value is there. Um, now, what about, let's say we don't—they don't pay. Mm-hmm. So besides the NSF, besides the bounce checks, they're like, I borrowed this million dollars. Screw it! I'm not, I'm not paying. Mm-hmm. I'm not paying back the lender. What's what's the next proceeds, or does that person lose that million dollars, or how's that? Like the lender, you are going to lose it, and how's it going to affect the borrower?
2: Yeah, because a, a lot of the people that that have concerns about that or have that questions around that, they're under the impression that. They, they now own the property mm-hmm, or yeah. they're under the. there's so many different assumptions mm-hmm. right so if you could just clarify exactly what happens yeah. when you start the proceedings of a power of sale okay. walk us through those steps and then take us to the finish line on how sure. that looks like yeah. no
3: nope, no problem so yeah so let's say uh somebody owes you you have a mortgage somebody owes you money they're they're making interest payments right. and they don't pay yeah or their check balances yeah the first thing we do is contact you guys because you guys have a direct link to them. You guys call them up, try to work something out yeah, with yeah, them. Yeah. If they're they're still adamant they're not paying, yeah, yeah, then yeah. that's when we have to go to court. Yeah. And the there's three main options that you have. You can have a power of sale, foreclosure, or judicial sale. Okay. So those are three main ways to do it. And it's always in everyone's best interest to avoid going to court. So that's why we like to call you guys try to figure it out call right. their lawyer to see if, if we can work out something before we go to court yeah but if we do there are there's statutes there's laws that are, are governing this that are that are sort of giving you a step-by-step process and there's rules that you need to follow in order to to yeah. do this so you need to give you need to wait for the default to last a certain amount of days right. okay. then you need to give notice after that, that certain amount of days and wait until you can sell the property if you want to do a power of sale. Okay. So a power of sale is when you you sue the person and you have to sue the person in court. And basically, you're forcing a sale of that property. Right. Right. So you go through the whole court process. Uh, finally, at the end of it, you sell the home. The home is sold. And then you can get your money. So it goes, mm-hmm. you got to pay if there's pre- uh, previous, say your second mortgage, the first mortgage gets paid. If you're the first mortgage, yeah. you get paid your your principal and your interest and also in certain private mortgages there's additional provisions that we like to include where if we do have to initiate a lawsuit or proceeding uh, enforcement steps there's automatically three-month interest penalty Okay. okay. On top of so, let's say there is that they would have to pay the three month interest penalty. Okay. They would have to pay the interest that's been uh, accruing yep. and the principal
2: and the NSF fees. The NSF,
3: yeah. So fees. if if yeah NSF okay. fees. Right. So whatever fees yeah. in, in additional provisions to the mortgage, there's a whole list of fees that you got to pay if you if if there's defaults and stuff like that. Right. So that's one aspect of it, right. and then you can go down the list if there's a second mortgage, they get paid, and then if there's money left over right. from the sale, um, then the actual borrower or the mortgagor will get paid, yeah, will mortgage. get paid. So it's always in their best interest
1: right. to, to sell the property, because that's what I also explain to the lenders as well, like these first-time lenders, mm-hmm. is like, yeah, there's always that risk that it's not that you're going to lose the money, it's just it might be on hold because you're going through court proceedings or yeah. whatnot, but what I see it as on, you know, like a human level, if you want to call it, is that people are going to do whatever they can to keep their house. They'll get rid of their car, get rid of debts or exactly. rack up credit cards, because that's, that's their last resort, that's your, it's your home. Exactly. Don't want to be homeless after, so yeah. yeah, that's that's usually what happens, right? Is they're just selling that property, trying to get whatever they can out of it, pay their fees, either mm-hmm. go rent or just downsize. Yeah.
3: yeah, and and an important point to note is that at any point during that <clears throat> proceeding, if they pay that amount that's unsta- outstanding, then okay. then the proceeding stops. Okay. Right. So so if,
2: what's what's that timeline look like? So now I'm the borrower, I don't pay, mm-hmm. um, I'm not being responsive, I'm not. You know, really doing anything to be proactive about defending and wanting to hold my home. Hmm. What does that timeline look like from, from, uh, the, the legal proceeding standpoint when the the house can then be listed and sold and when it is sold people are under the impression that oh well because now I I'm, I'm in in power and, and and hold you know the key essentially mm-hmm. I can list it for whatever I'd like to list it mm-hmm. for and have someone come back door and purchase it but that's not the case it has to be for fair market value it just go through those yeah. that motion
3: so yeah so something to 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 back onto what you're saying yeah. is that if you do, the reason why there's a judi- judicial sale, yeah. it's basically, it's similar to the power sale where the home is being sold, but yeah. that is a court monitor sale. Right. So the the borrower can't then say that you improperly did something. You didn't sell the property right. for fair market value. Right. You're not going to get... Uh, they're not going to go after you for damages for improperly selling the home, right? And they're going to say, right. "Hey, you know what? Right. The home's worth two million dollars, and you only sold it for one million dollars because you just wanted to cover your right. your your principal, and that's exactly. it." Exactly. Yes. So that's yes. why there's the judicial sale where it's done by a court. So how's how are they going to say that it was improper when it's the court that that exactly that did it? Right. So right. so right. that's right. why they have so it's the protecting judicial-
2: the lender again. From
3: damages from from the the, the broker, coming yeah, back coming back it, and saying yeah. it was done improperly right. where you you right. you know what you listed for sale for a million dollars or two million dollars and okay. your cousin's company bought the property for a million dollars so you're just right. helping your cousin out and you have shares in that company so right. you know what like it, that's why there is so that to judicial make sure it's sale. fair across right. the board yeah, yeah exactly, exactly so, so, so now what discount.
2: what's the appetite for them listing now the property and what that ask has to be and 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 how did how do the courts make it so that it's fair in the borrower actually feels like you know what i got fair market value for it i i you know we we pulled up some comparables and it actually even did better than that because of you know the timing of the market and where that was like yeah walk us through that
3: so yes in a power sale you're obviously gonna hire a real estate agent who's not gonna list it for below market value right. you're gonna try the point is Right. And in every court proceeding, yeah, you want to act as reasonable as possible, right? Because there's costs that are involved. It's a whole separate thing. Yeah. There's textbooks that are thicker than Michael's head about this, thing, <laughs> about costs. You know, they, it's it's a whole thing. Because in Ontario, <laughs> <laughs>
1: because I bust his balls on a daily, <laughs> he's got to get it in there. <laughs> Shut up. You're, you're really not alive, do you made it
3: on live, did you? but uh, for for real like (laughs) yeah so so in Ontario the general rule (laughs) is that a loser pays the winner's legal fees a portion of the winner's legal fees I should say okay Okay. so and a whole Mm. host like I said there's a a thick textbook on a a whole host of, of factors and considerations that are going into to determine exactly how much that loser is going to pay the winner yeah so you, a part of that is the conduct of the parties. Yeah. If you're acting unreasonably. Yeah. And you're a lender and you're going and you're acting unreasonably in the court proceeding and you end up winning. Yeah. You might not get as much costs. Yeah. The, for your, um, for, towards your legal fees. Okay. So that's okay. why it's important to note that. Yeah. As a party in any legal proceeding, you should always act as reasonable as possible because if you're acting unreasonably as a plaintiff, yeah, you might get less costs, right? Or you might even get costs awarded against you. Right. And if you're a defendant and you're acting unreasonably, you're not responding, you you know what, you're not uh, um, you're not engaging in the court process, yeah. Then costs will be increased. Costs will be awarded awarded against you. Right. So yeah. there's a whole host of, of issues yeah. and a whole host of factors that go into costs. Mm. And mm-hmm. so the whole law. Like I said, it's a very complicated thing. But generally, the the rule is costs follow the cause. So if somebody causes something to uh, a court proceeding to extend over a period of time because of their conduct, yeah. then costs are going to be awarded against them or reduced for them.
2: Right. right, right. In light of the podcast being called What Would It Cost, if you don't mind us asking you, what would law school costs for all the lo- young listeners and and viewers
3: the, the the law school fees are are a lot it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of money I mean I don't even know what it costs to go to law school
2: <laughs> I know what it costs I know that's what it costs per- it that's, that's, bro that's a perfect answer like, and then tag your dad <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> see I'm on the sheet yeah. with my dad yeah. you know, on yeah, the fucking a, sheet. Yeah. he knocks on my door yeah yeah so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
3: so, okay. so so law school, it depends. You know where they kill you in the books and all that other stuff is where they kill you. But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. tuition is probably around fifteen to thirty thousand dollars a year. I haven't okay. really checked recently what it's it's gone yeah. up. Obviously, but ask your dad, Dad. Yeah, <laughs> 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 how much did it cost? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it yeah, it's yeah. around there per year. And like I said, right they on. they kill you on the books, the textbooks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 very
1: cool. Thank you for, for coming out. We uh, appreciate you having that conversation with us, going deep on the mortgage transaction, what would it cost, and uh, it's great. it's been great working with you. I
3: love talking to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I love calling you guys. You guys always answer when I call, so I really yeah. enjoy. You guys are fun and awesome yeah. to work with.
2: Yeah, oh, and thanks. congratulations on getting on the, in on the industry at such a young age, and uh, you're doing great, and there's uh, the road ahead. You're going to crush it and do very well with it, brother. Thanks. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. yeah absolutely.
1: all right thank you again for tuning into this week's episode uh be sure to check us out every monday on all your favorite streaming platforms all our social medias be sure to like follow subscribe and we'll see you next week
2: next on what would it cost
0: i have some connections in the city because i went to school and a lot of those people did go and work for the city so that's also like nice. A, a nice advantage right nice. i need the zoning change yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: for your investors and people that are placing funds in the real estate yeah. market and and knowing how to navigate them and say hey you know this might be hot right mm-hmm. now and where all the sheep are flocking to kind mm-hmm. of thing but this is what's happening on the back end with the city planning but and- i think right. the
0: biggest thing that first-time buyers need to shift is their mindset about what their first home looks like